Jesus was tempted by the devil in the desert. Because you're in Christ, that means you were there too. And because Christ is in you, you too can overcome temptation. Or can you? Keep listening. You are listening to Reading and Readers, a podcast where I review Christian books for you. I'm your host, Terence. Today's book is Tempted and Tried, Temptation and the Triumph of Christ by Dr. Russell Moore. Dr. Russell Moore is the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. Prior to his election in 2013, Moore served as the provost and dean of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, where he also taught theology and ethics. Now, here is a man who teaches ethics, and he becomes the president of the uh, Ethics Commission. So we might think that uh, this uh, highly ethical person might not understand the temptations that uh, the everyday person faces. And uh, we would be wrong, because in the opening pages of this book, he shares a personal story uh, in a hotel lobby between him and an attractive receptionist, while his wife and children are outside in the rain. In this uh, very short story, Moore shows us that he is a man subject to temptation just like any of us. And more importantly, he shows that a temptation can strike in very subtle, in ways that we do not uh, realize if we are not careful. In fact, that is why Dr. Moore actually wrote this book. In an interview with Justin Taylor, Dr. Moore uh, answered that this book was a book for the Christian uh, who wonders why is it that uh, after becoming a Christian, he is still subject to so many temptations and um, maybe there's something wrong with his faith, with, his, uh, with the person because as a mature believer, uh, temptation should go away, won't it? And uh, Dr. Moore explains that actually the struggle against temptation is part of the normal Christian life. Another objective of this book was that uh, Dr. Moore wanted uh, Christians to be more precise in thinking about sin and temptation because there are those who are being tempted who then despair and say, I am sinning. And in contrast, there are those who are sinning and delude themselves by saying, I'm being tempted. Actually, sin and temptation are uh, two separate categories, related but separate. And uh, here in this book, uh, Dr. Moore uh, helps us think more precisely about these terms. The way the book is structured is that you have the first two chapters that situate us in temptation. So, uh, if you are a person who thinks that uh, you uh, suffers no temptation or you have a good grip on temptation, then the first two chapters will be humbling. On the other hand, if you think temptation is impossibly overwhelming for you and no one understands you, uh, then the first two chapters will be very encouraging. When we go into chapter 2, we have um, it... Uh, here written the baptism of Jesus. And this is an important chapter because it explains why uh, Jesus is able to help us in our temptation. Here you have uh, John the Baptist uh, telling Jesus that uh, I should not be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. 
But instead, Jesus gave this very cryptic answer, which is that he should be baptized by John to fulfill all righteousness. And Dr. Moore explains, it's uh, not so much that uh, Jesus had to repent because Jesus never sinned. So there was no uh, repentance for sin. But instead, Jesus had to be baptized because we had to, because we are the ones who need repentance. And because Jesus is our high priest, he is one of us. So by identifying himself with us, in the incarnation, the truly God, truly man, therefore he can help us in our temptation because he has overcome. Now it is critical we understand who Jesus is before we go into the heart of the book, namely the three temptations of Jesus in the desert. Chapters 3, 4, and 5 are the temptations. The first one talks about the turning stone into bread. Then you have the devil uh, taunting Jesus to jump so that the angels will catch him. And the last temptation is that Jesus should worship the devil in order to get all the kingdoms of the world. The next chapter is how are we to think and practice what we have learned in the first five chapters. And some of the, the readers may be very tempted to go and read this chapter, to skip towards this chapter, because you are facing temptation right now and you want to get some help, immediate help. Well, that would not be a good idea because uh, chapter 6 is a practical application of earlier chapters, meaning if you skip, you will not understand how to uh, apply what is stated in chapter 6. And after that, uh, more concludes this book. In uh, this book review, uh, I want to uh, share three insights, namely temptation, Satan, and Jesus. And these insights are, uh, are shared, are written uh, across, uh, spanning across the whole book. Okay, So um, throughout the whole book, Moore is persuading us that all of our temptations, in every way, in every form, the temptations that we have in school, in home, in the office, whether you are a man or woman, whether you are born in Africa or in Tokyo, wherever you are, in whatever place, whenever time, all of our temptations can be traced to the three temptations of Jesus in the desert. So that is a great claim, that's a great statement that he makes, which means that uh, if you can see Jesus in the desert as fighting for you and knowing that Jesus has indeed faced temptation that is common to all men, then you will see him as a person who understands where you are now in whatever temptation you face. For example, Moore writes the connection between food and sex. So the desire for food and the desire for sex. Now, this is not a novel uh, insight or observation. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, made the same point. In writing on sex, Lewis writes, this is Lewis writing, there is nothing to be ashamed of in enjoying your food. There would be everything to be ashamed of if half the world made food the main interest of their lives and spent their time looking at pictures of food and dribbling and smacking their lips. End quote. So here, Louise talks about the striptease of food and shows the absurdity when it comes to us thinking about sex. Now, Moore actually writes more food for thought. And he elaborates that the desire for food and the desire for sex are God-given desires which have been corrupted. Okay, 
So he also writes about the temptation from the psychology of the person. So he wants to, to show us how temptation works on us and how there is, this, uh, there is a risk that we will go in two extremes. Okay? And one of the extremes is where you think you are exceptional. Let me uh, read to you what uh, Moore wrote. Moore writes, You start to see yourself as either special or as hopeless, and thus the normal boundaries don't seem to apply. It might be that you are involved in certain patterns right now and that you would, if asked, be able to tell me exactly why they are, they are morally and ethically wrong. It's not that you are deficient in the cognitive ability to diagnose the situation. It's instead that you slowly grow to believe that your situation is exceptional. I am a god. And then you find all kinds of reasons why this technically isn't theft or envy or hatred, or fornication, or abuse of power, or whatever. When I read this, uh, end quote, when I read this, I thought of Ravi Zacharias, the, the name behind the biggest sex scandal of 2021. And indeed, um, if you read the reports, Ravi does think that he is exceptional, even as he goes out and talks about the goodness of God, Behind the scenes, he is inflicting much pain and hurt to many uh, women. So this book, even at this point, helps us to understand and interpret e events, whether it's uh, Ravi Zacharias, the apologist to millions who falls from grace, or even your church member who is caught or entangled in some other scandal. Because we all face temptation and we can understand the psychology of it uh, from what Moore writes, from his studies. Another part which uh, was really um, insightful was, we, do you remember how you responded to, the, to sex scandals or to any scandal to the church? Okay? Were you dismayed at the damage this uh, did to Christianity? Now, Moore writes, the demonic powers not only will give us what we crave, but... They will assist us in covering it over for a little while. That's precisely the irony. Often you are fueled on from one temptation to the other because you haven't been caught. This gives you an illusion of a cocoon protecting you from justice. The powers, though, don't want you to get caught. Not yet. Not this early in the march to the slaughterhouse. They don't have a mere 70 or 80 years to live. They are ancient and patient and quite willing to wait until your downfall will bring with it the most catastrophic consequences for you, for your family, for the kingdom of God, and to the image of Christ you carry. So they'll help you cover it all up, and then they'll expose you mercilessly. End quote. So we see here the nature of the spiritual warfare that the enemy is willing to help us cover up until we reach the end of the slaughterhouse. The slaughterhouse metaphor is used very powerfully in uh, Moore's writing in chapter 2. And here we can see that the way uh, Moore portrays Satan, he portrays him as that ancient cunning power. So Satan is not just a comic 
uh, with a pitchfork and a tail, nor is he a buffoon that gets easily outmatched and outwitted by Jesus in the desert. We see here that there is real spiritual warfare between the believer and the devil, and we can see this exemplified in the spiritual warfare between Jesus and Satan in the desert. And there is real temptation at stake. The problem with the temptation in the desert is that we don't understand what happened. It's kind of like when you watch a Formula One and you see that the lead driver enters the pit. Why did he go into the pit? Because we don't understand the rules of the sport. Or we can watch a movie and we see that there is one big monster fighting another big monster. What's happening over here? Who is the good guy and who's the bad guy? We don't know because maybe we have gone, uh, we watched the movie halfway through. So if we don't understand the rules, we don't understand the story, we cannot make sense of it. And let me give you an illustration. Imagine that you're watching a Japanese samurai movie and on the right, you see the black samurai coming. He is undefeated. He has killed uh, millions of warriors and there is blood on his blade. And on the left, you see the white samurai who has just completed uh, his meditation and he is uh, weak from fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And you have these two warriors coming in to clash. Then the black samurai slashes for the gut and then Jesus deflects. Then the devil aims for the legs and sweeps across and then Jesus deflects the blade once more. And lastly, the devil aims for the heart and Jesus in a very last minute uh, way manages to deflect the blade and the black samurai then runs off, fleeing from the white. So that scenario or that scene is not in the desert uh, writings, uh, in the temptation when we read in uh, the Gospels. But here is the problem. The reason why we cannot fully understand the desert temptation is because it happened too fast. And what we needed was to have a background to understand who is the black samurai, who is the white samurai, or rather, let's uh, go back, we, we, who is the devil and who is Jesus. And this is where uh, Dr. Moore helps us. He draws from Deuteronomy. So that when the, the two of them exchange Bible verses, Dr. Moore shows us the power and the meaning behind it. So he portrays the devil not as being outwitted so easily by Jesus, who is able to respond with a better Bible verse. But instead, the devil knows the desires of Jesus. And knowing the desires of Jesus, the devil de delivers a, a very precise and powerful blow to Jesus, which Jesus should not have been able to deflect. Jesus knows who he is. He is the Son of God. His relationship with God the Father is pure. He is the Son of Man. He fully stands with and stands for the children of Adam. The devil has always been able to tempt all the children of Adam to sin. He has never failed. And he did tempt Jesus. Do you know what is at stake here? If Jesus was tempted by Satan to sin in any one way, we would all fall. The atonement's requirement for a perfect sacrifice would never be met. How would you tempt a beggar? With a little money. How would you tempt a king? With a great amount of money. How would you tempt the Son of God? 
if we see how the desert temptations, how tempted Jesus really was, we can appreciate and marvel that Satan failed. Jesus was tempted, but he did not fall for temptation. Jesus never sinned. He knew he will get all the kingdoms of the world, but it will be from the hand of God the Father, not Satan. And here is where there is one part of the book which I am not convinced on. Uh, let's see whether you can, you can see what it is. Uh, I, I quote from uh, Dr. Moore. He writes, Satan was not just trying to tempt Jesus. He was attempting to adopt Jesus. Satan in all three temptations is assuming the role of a father, first in provision, then in protection, and now in the granting of an inheritance. Satan didn't just want to be Jesus' Lord. He wanted to be his father. End quote. I don't know what you think about that, uh, that uh, paragraph, and I want to assure you that uh, Dr. Moore does write more about it and that he does give uh, good evidence and good support for it. After some reflection, and this is after being convinced the first time I read it because uh, I thought it was a very uh, interesting insight and it's uh, counterintuitive. The traditional idea is that uh, the devil wanted Jesus to act independently. So there is no sense of the, the devil wanting to be a father. After some thought, I don't think the devil wants to be a father. How do you think about the father? What, what comes to mind? For me, it means the father is uh, self-sacrificial. He loves, he wants to care. And all that motivates the father. That's, that's what I think. And that's not true of the devil. So although the actions may seem to be like so, and I realize that the devil is an imposter and he, he does try to be the ruler of the world and, and be a spoiler. I'm convinced that the devil wants to steal Jesus from God. I'm convinced that the devil wants to steal the Father's glory. But I wouldn't put the emphasis so much that the devil was wanting to be Jesus' father. I don't think the devil cares. And in that sense, I don't think he can be a father. I guess it, my, the point of difference is the way I interpret the word father and the way um, more over here uh, adapts it to his uh, statement. Now, having said that, uh, this is not the whole book. So uh, more doesn't keep pushing this idea to the reader. In fact, it is just an observation made out of the various uh, chapters and uh, scriptures. But it's not something that uh, you need to, to believe in order to uh, accept all the other conclusions. Meaning, you can still hold on to the traditional understanding that uh, Satan was trying to get Jesus to act independently and maybe set himself up as God himself or, or whatever uh, inter uh, similar interpretations. You can hold to that interpretation and still read the whole book being thoroughly convinced. So let us look into how a reader would understand this book at the end. Will this book help me overcome my temptation? I believe many people will reach out for this book because of that. And the trite answer is no. And no book can help you. Only Jesus can. 
<laughs> and in that sense, this book is good because it points you always to who Jesus is, to understand the temptation, how he overcomes it, uh, he, uh, who Jesus is, who we are in him, the truly God, truly man. So all that actually helps strengthen our understanding of temptation and sin. The deeper answer is um, trying to understand what you mean by overcome temptation. If you mean overcome temptation to to mean that you will have no such experience, no tugging of the heart, no struggle, no fight, then no, this book will not help you. And as uh, Dr. Moore uh, earlier wrote, that is not uh, what this book intends to. He writes that uh, you struggle with temptation, that's part of normal Christianity. But this book will help you uh, fight the fight. This book is very good, uh, especially in the second last chapter, to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. It overcomes any excuses you may have regarding temptation, and he makes very clear the difference between temptation and sin. Are there any other books that may help you in this? When you go into, I did this, uh, when I went to search in Amazon and I searched for the word temptation, there are two categories of books. The first category is uh, what we're looking at today. And there is uh, one author that comes up uh, prominently, which is John Owen. So John Owen is a Puritan writer and he has written extensively, deeply on temptation and on sin. Um, but other than John Owen, there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, other authors or books on this topic. The other category when you look for temptation is the trashy novels, and you want to avoid that in every way possible. So this uh, temptation and sin is a topic that is not, you don't have a wealth, uh, a library of resources uh, to, to lean on. Whereas if you compare with uh, searching on grace or blessing or goodness, you will have multiple books by multiple authors uh, throughout the ages. So just want to make a comment here that uh, if your understanding of sin is weak, then your understanding of grace is also weak. You need to understand sin in order to understand grace. Now, this book is not about sin. This book is about temptation. So when you read this book, you will understand the differences between sin and temptation. And it's important because a confusion here can bring a brother or sister down. And that's why this book is good for teachers and counsellors, even parents or anybody who is in any position to advise people on temptation. And I would say uh, that that would be everybody. So to, to encourage those who are struggling through temptation and at the same time not uh, dismiss uh, this, uh, this in, indulgence to sin. Okay, So you should not let temptation lead on to sin. So that was uh, what, how I would recommend this book. But let's say you are one of the few who have read John Owen, uh, all of John Owen, and let's say that uh, you you are very you understand clearly the differences or, or between sin and temptation. You also understand the the how how the sin and grace in terms of the gospel. So you understand all these things. Is this book still worth reading? I say the answer is yes, simply because it is well written. Every reviewer I read says that uh, this book is well written and uh, Jared Wilson from Gospel Coalition uh, writes this way. Uh, and I was stirred to fight my own temptations, to rightly envy 
at his uh, John uh, this uh, Morse Russell Morse deaf phrasing and moving composition and uh, end quote and I I agree. Uh, as you read Russell Moore, he just pulls you in. Every thought exercise makes you wonder. Every story that he shares makes you uh, pulls you in. And um, it's just a wonderful, well-written book, a great resource for the church, and one that I think that every Christian should read. So I, I would like to end by just showing an example of, of the writing and also the conviction that can come out of reading this book. I end this uh, book review um, with, with a passage that explains the, the relationship between temptation, Jesus, and the devil, uh, the demonic forces. Okay? So it, it's a nice paragraph. It uh, shows those three aspects. So let me read. Uh, more writes, Ultimately, the agony of temptation is not about you or me. We are targeted because we resemble Jesus, our firstborn brother. We all, whether believers or not, bear some resemblance to Jesus because we share with him a human nature in the image of God. As we come to find peace with God through Jesus, we begin a journey of being conformed more and more into the image of Christ. The demons shriek in the increasing glory of that light and they'll seek even more frenetically to put it out of their sight. End quote. The demons shriek in the increasing glory of the light of Jesus. So what uh, I, I, it's such a picture in my head when I read that. And uh, I hope that uh, you will consider reading this book. And uh, today's book is Tempted and Tried. The Temptation and the Triumph of Christ by Dr. Russell Moore. You might be tempted to close this podcast now. Don't. I ask you resist the temptation for a moment. Before you go, please subscribe to Reading and Readers. If you found this podcast helpful, please write that in the review as an encouragement to me and help for other would-be listeners and readers. For more information and how to contact me, you can visit the website readingandreaders.com. I end this with a quote from the book, May demons shriek in the increasing glory of that light of Christ in you. Thank you for listening.